Welcome to Dr. Cheryl's Pod Couch, where we talk about all things mental health and parenting. Today, I am happy to have on a special guest. We have Kara Crossweight Brindle, who is a licensed mental health therapist and burnout consultant here in Denver, Colorado. Also a former office mate of mine, very sad she's not there anymore. Um, but Kara enjoys various roles. She's a serial entrepreneur, professional speaker, professor, and a financial therapist. She is also the author of the book, Perfectionaire. Perfectioner, am I saying that right? Mm -hmm. From Workaholic to Balanced Life. Welcome, Kara. Hi, thank you, Cheryl. It's so fun to do this with you. <laughs> I know. We haven't done something like this before. We have, Kara and I have really worked for a couple years together. She has recently moved and she's doing so many different things, so she's not in my office anymore. So this is super fun. I wanted to make sure before she goes off and does too many other things that we talk about her wonderful practical book and guideline, I feel like, to life. So let me jump in. You start your book off by talking about how you sort of woke up with this idea of perfectionaire. Can you tell me what this means? Like what came to you? What, what, what are you merging together to create this term and this notion? Absolutely. So at that time, that was January, 2020, that I had that epiphany and I was working through some public speaking courses with other women entrepreneurs. And we had this assignment to figure out how do we describe ourselves? How do we self-identify? And so like a typical entrepreneur or creative, I was waking up at 4 a.m. with just big ideas, which I guess is more common than people realize is that we just like wake up and we're like, I got to implement this right now. <laughs> um, so all of a sudden I had this term perfectioner show up and I was like, huh, it's a perfectionist entrepreneur. And so, you know, I think it is a breed of entrepreneurs that's showing up now that are struggling with workaholism, work-life balance, of course, but also, you know, the perfectionism, imposter syndrome, and kind of all these things that go with being an entrepreneur, because it's not all hearts and flowers. So when I brought that term back to these women, they loved it. They're like, yes, I relate to that. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I mean, I can, it's funny. I can relate to it too. I don't think of myself as a perfectionist, but, but I think that I have, I can have some qualities. A lot of times I'm actually like, whoo, swooping in, coming in, getting things done. I don't know if that's also a trait. Yes. So what would be some of the like, you are a perfectionist if, what would be some of those fill in the blanks? Ooh, you'd be a perfectionist if you have high standards for yourself that are higher than everybody else, or you give Check. them more grace. <laughs> Let's do me. I'm going to say yes, I endorse that. Uh, for some of us, it's the catching ourselves in black and white thinking or rigidity where it's like all or nothing. We have to be the best or we're awful. Mm, I don't think I have that. That one is pretty so. brutal. So I'm glad you don't have that one. Yeah. <laughs> Other things would be like, you know, for a lot of us, it's the steamrolling. So when you say driven into those projects, like we're just all in, I think that comes with a lot of benefits, but also comes with the cost of like relationships or people saying, I hardly see you. And so that perfectionism shows up as like, I have to do it all really well and something's got to give, which tends to be our time with family relationships or hobbies. Yeah. I, I think personally on that one, I have like seasons of that for sure. Um, you know, it was really interesting yesterday. I did a talk to all type A identified people. <laughs> that was <laughs> I love that. so fun. And I did feel like, oh, I'm among my people. Yes. Um, and so, but one of them um, asked me a question and I answered it, but I'm, I'm going to ask you the question that he asked me and you tell me. So I was talking to this group, the real, real high achievers, um, type A, right? in a company 
And one of them said, well, I was talking about stress management. And one of them said, well, what if you just have a stressful job and you know that every single day it is going to be stressful? How do you do stress management when you know you've signed up for a stressful job? So what would you say to that? I mean, I think there's one thing, you know, obviously knowing what you've signed up for, but it doesn't mean you have to be complacent with it. For a lot of us, it's feeling empowered to do something about that of like, okay, maybe it's a five minute window that we have that's not full of stress. But how do we maximize that? For these driven folks that you and I both work with, I think that's the that's the secret sauce, if you will. It's like, oh, I don't expect you to take a seven day vacation or a whole day of rest because that's just not fathomable to them. But five to 10 minutes of something can really make a difference in their mental health. Yeah. You know, it was funny, as I said, um, who's the last person in this room to like do some self-care, maybe like a vacation or something. And one little me can went up <laughs> and I was like, Oh really? Can you tell me about it? And she's like, I took three days off yeah. a couple of weeks ago. I was like three days. Like that's not eventful. Like she must not have even gone anywhere. Cause she didn't say she went anywhere. And so I was like, Oh, three days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, they, it was, uh, Really interesting because, you know, that to her was was an accomplishment. She said before that she can't even remember the last time she took any time off. Yeah. I, I am curious. I imagine that working with perfectionists and perfectionistic entrepreneurs, there's a good amount of resistance mm-hmm. to changing the way you are. I know people listening right now who feel that they're like type A or they're perfectionists or they're just high achievers it's hard to convince them not to be because it usually works for them. So how do you work with the resistance? And at what point is it not working for us? Yeah, I think that's where my job is relatively easy in the sense that they've gotten to that point where they're like, this isn't effective, I'm miserable. Um, You know, I talk a lot about the stubbornness that we all have. And if we don't make a change for ourselves, we're more likely to do it for others. So in my case, it was my spouse giving me this, you know, holding up this mirror and saying, hey, I see one hour a day. And I was like, oh, my gosh, is that true? Like, that sounds awful. So I think for a lot of these driven folks, it might even be a loved one that spurs them to do the work. Um, Or maybe they have some sort of medical issue come up, some other symptoms they can't ignore any longer. But until then, the American culture celebrates this, right? They say grind, the hustle culture, like all these hashtags. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. We're just subscribing to this left and right. So in my experience, something significant has to have happened for them to say, I'm ready to do the work. That's what I always say. Like um, when I wrote Mommy Burnout, I had to have in the subtitle, like how to reclaim your life or, and raise healthier children in the process. Cause I had to dangle something out there that it would be <laughs> worth their time to actually read this book because it'll raise healthy children. Right. Mm-hmm. If not, I don't think people are motivated necessarily to benefit themselves, but they say think their marriage will improve or their relationship with their kids will be better. Something external to them, then they may be more motivated. Right. I agree. I know lots about burnout, but something I actually do not know that much about that you seem to, and I would love to hear you talk about it, is Enneagram types. Yeah. I have not done one. <laughs> I know just real, real high level about it. So for those of us who haven't done one and don't know that much about it, why do you talk about it? Why is it important? And what can we get from it? Absolutely. So kind of when you're saying here are the people who identify with certain qualifiers like type A driven or high functioning, the Enneagram types show up in that conversation. Um, You know, we started with Myers-Briggs and some other really popular personality tests, but now the Enneagram is showing up as more popular. And part of that is because it's how we relate to others. 
We're seeing this in the job force. We're seeing this in people who want to date. They're putting this in their dating profiles, which I love. Really? <laughs> yeah. And uh, now we're just making it like an everyday conversation where people are posting it on social media and it's for them feeling seen. So the two types of Enneagram, there's nine types total, but the two types that really subscribe to Perfectioner and the work that I'm doing would be the type ones, which are perfectionists, and the type three, which are the achievers. So just like we're talking about, these labels resonate. And so many of those people are looking at a spectrum of wellness. So what I love about the Enneagram is not only to say, how do you relate to all the different types? It's how are you when you're healthy versus unhealthy? And it gives you this really visceral picture of like, ooh, I relate to that when I'm unhealthy or ooh, I love that when I'm really doing well. And so people just grab the language and they run with it. And is this something you can do online? Can you just, is it Absolutely. free? Do you have to pay for it? Uh, there's some apps out there. One of our colleagues here in Denver did the Enya app, which is a free app for people to answer a series of questions and get the top three types. You know, if you want to go to the source, I always have people go to the Enneagraminstitute.com, I believe it is. Um, and there's a $12 test on there that's really robust, talks about your top type, your next one, your third one. And, uh, you know, just gives you some insight in how to relate to other people, which is why it's showing up in the workplace. I love that. Is that available for kids too? Do you know what that's normed on? I think right now they're saying it's really best for someone 21 and older based on the fact that, you know, it's about physical development, mental development. And, you know, they say our, our personalities are pretty solidified by 21, which I thought was interesting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so a six-year-old obviously is going through a lot more development where this might not resonate just yet. Gotcha. So good for an individual or somebody in a relationship or looking for a relationship. Yeah. And in fact, they're doing this in marriage counseling now too. I'm, I'm, I was really interested in that. So you also, you have an entire chapter on people pleasers. I do. Um, <laughs> so tell me, I think so many people can relate to being a people pleaser. And even on a personal level, like there's something about your book that really struck me around like, how am I personally relating to this? What do I relate to? What don't I? And I don't know, in sometimes. I can be a pleaser. I'd say probably the majority of the time I'm not. Hmm. But um, so I don't know what that's about. Why am I sometimes, what, why am I not? But how to talk about people pleasers. How does it relate to burnout, being a perfectionist? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, when I was putting the class together that complements the book, I actually found a little welcome mat. And I was talking about what clients would say to me, which is I'm a doormat. I just get stepped on as a people pleaser. And I was like, wow, that's a powerful image. So people pleasers tend to struggle with their boundaries where they're having a hard time saying no, they'll say yes to keep other people happy, to do what they want. On the Enneagram, yet again, if we're working with ones and threes, this is actually the type two in the middle. So I do catch a lot of them. Um, and then a bunch of mental health and helping professionals would fall under type two. So people pleasing is a part of that. We wanna do something for others, we wanna help. And that can have a really you know, valuable aspect to it, but also can be kind of dangerous if we don't have healthy boundaries. So people pleasing in general, I think creates burnout from sense of no boundaries to speak of would be the worst case scenario. And now we're feeling like we're stretched too thin, we're fatigued, we're sacrificing sleep or social time. And it's just a bad combination. Mm -hmm. What do you do about it? What's the first step? Yeah, I mean, I think because we're both mental health professionals, you and I can smirk about this, but like boundaries show up in every kind of aspect that we do. And so for a lot of people, one of the exercises in the book is learning to say no. So I added that here in this last year. So the book came out in 2020 and then in 2021, I added a exercise on learn how to say no more. 
because people don't know how to say no or they struggle to say no or they worry it's going to cause the conflict or burn a bridge. Maybe it's a missed opportunity. And so for myself, I had to learn how to do that, like to really hone in on what I was working on and not get distracted by the extra. And so I was walking people through how to say no, everything from no thank you to I'm not interested to check back with me in six months because I got a project I'm working on. And I think that's really empowering people to practice this. So that makes me think of this thought leader and uh, fellow author. She wrote Drop the Ball. I've had her on my podcast before. And she had this really powerful way of saying no that she, I won't even do it justice, but she says it. it's just so natural for her. But essentially her message is um, same thing. You really have to learn how to say no to a lot more. And she will give a reason. So she told some story. I think she, I think the day I interviewed her happened to be her kid's first day of school or something. And she's like the second, I don't know who it was, you know, like the PTA president saw me. She beelined it toward me and I knew she was going to probably ask me for something. And she asked me to join some committee. And I told her, you know, I would normally love to, but I can't because I'm working on X, whatever she was working on. And feel free, if you'd like to, to circle back with me, you know, in six, nine months from now or whenever. And I'll, I can let you know if I've got time at that point. So some version of that, you know, and I just, I was really inspired by that. At the time, I just hadn't really tried anything like that. This is definitely a huge one for me. I like to say yes to a lot of things. It's also something I really like about my personality, though. I'm such a yes person, like not just to like, will you join this committee? Although I'm pretty guilty there too, but <laughs> I'm also a yes person to life. Like you could be like, hey, do you want to meet me wherever? And I, I mean, I won't even ask you what we're doing. I'm just like, yeah. I'm down. Like, and I like, like that about myself. I think I'm fun and spontaneous and I don't ask a lot of details. I'm just sort of like, I'll be there. And then you can tell me what we're doing. But I definitely know it can get me into stressful situations, into overwhelm. Like, it's almost like power and privilege comes in because Mm. like, who am I to say no to that opportunity? Who am I to say that you know, I can't go there because of something else. And so for me, this is a, this is a tricky one. I will say. Yes. And I love that, you know, this other thought leader was like, let me give an explanation. And I, I think that has value. And I would also challenge your listeners to say there doesn't need to be an explanation. Like, what yeah. would it be like to just be like, no, thank you. Or that whole sentence, no is a complete sentence, which I know we all have our authentic words. We need the craft to say no. And so that's what that exercise is all about. But so many of us in that people-pleasing moment feel like we have to explain why we're saying no. And it's like, maybe we don't have to. Maybe it's just a no thank you, which is very empowering to some of my clients. What do you think about this? I haven't asked anybody what um, their opinions are, but I said yes to two things this fall that in all honesty, I didn't want to, but I did. But then I'm I'm doing this weird dance where my halfway point was, I was like, okay, here's the deal. I will chair that committee, right? They're both chairing committees, not just being on it, but chairing wow. it. So that's like up, upping the next level of responsibility. So this is what I said. I go, so here's the deal. I will chair that committee under these conditions. You're not going to get reminders from me. I'm probably not going to send you a calendar invite. I'm going to send you a Zoom link probably like mm, an hour before the meeting starts. And I'm not going to write an agenda ahead of time. I will take notes during it. And so if you can deal with somebody like that, then I will chair those committees. And of course they were both like, oh yeah, sure. No problem. (laughs) Go for it. Right. Because I know to be super organized on top of things and write agendas. Like I don't have the time for that, but I'm passionate about what we're doing. So like I'll show up and be super present for an hour. 
But basically what I was saying is like all the fluff though around that, I, I'm not doing it. I can't do it. Am I setting myself up? Am I, or is this a good compromise or how do you view what I'm currently doing? I love that. I wish more of us could do that. And maybe we're working our way towards that comfort level because what you just did there was deliberate with confidence. It's like, I will do this with these parameters. If that feels good to them, they say yes. They also have the opportunity to say no, of we want more. And I think that leads right back to the boundary conversation because now is that as long as they are on the same page, they're going to respect you. But if something changes with like, oh, I actually want that agenda. It's a gentle reminder of like, I told you I don't do agendas. <laughs> so I, I think you're being very agendas. transparent. So I love that, you know, you're upfront. I think that actually has a lot of value. Yeah, it was really great. I, I'll give you, a, these are all real examples. I can relate a lot to your book. I got, I was away yesterday and I was in San Francisco. And so I got an email early in the morning from one of the committee members that said, Hey, I have it on my calendar, right? I know what she was doing. She was being a virtual reminder. She goes, Hey, I have it on my calendar that we're meeting later this week in the morning. Um, do you want, you know, basically like our assistant to create a zoom link? And so I know what she was doing. I really do. Like I, I, she was basically saying there's no reminder out there and we don't have a zoom link. And so I replied, I was like, sure, that'd be great. And yep, I have it on my calendar. We talked about it at the last meeting. See you then. Right. I will tell you there was a split second where I was like, oh no, no, no. I'll create the zoom link. Like there's power in creating a zoom link. Right. Like I was like, oh no, I, I could reply and just be like, oh, my whole song and dance. I'm out of town, but I'll be home late. And then the uh, first thing Wednesday morning, I'll write it up. And I was just like, no, just give it up. You don't have to create the Zoom link yourself. Like right. <laughs> somebody else could do that. But I'm sure I cannot be the only person who looks at these little details like I should do that. Yes. It should come from me. And that right? power and control. I mean, that's there's a chapter called the shoulds. <laughs> so you're absolutely right. And it's, it's part of the steamrolling that we're at risk of doing if we say we want to take it all on. Yeah. You know, we're now we're not showing up well. We have messages like my way or the highway, way too much power, um, way too much desire for control. And so it's just not collaborative. So, yeah, I think there's something in delegating or being like, sure, no problem. By all means, make that Zoom link. It's no big deal. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and I will tell you for people listening who are maybe like laughing or can see themselves at all in what we're talking about, it really is empowering to, it can be the littlest things like, yes, you can deliver the cookies to the school or yes, you can create the agenda or whatever it's going to be. There's something really is empowering. There's very empowering when you say no, that mm -hmm. is harder though. So like to me, at least making these micro adjustments gets you to the point where you say no to certain things. But I think for a lot of people, I can imagine that's quite the journey to get to the point where you actually start saying no to opportunities. Maybe it's easier to start saying no to like, I'll have people say like, and then they asked me to be on a blah, blah, blah committee. And I said, no, mm -hmm. but I think it's hard. Like, like, let's say a work opportunity, right. A speaking engagement, right. You know, like something where you're like, wait a second, <laughs> this is, you know, it does bring me value. So, so I don't know if you endorse that, but small steps, is that what, how you tell people to start? Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I think if we go big picture, they're going to be like that setting me up to fail or it doesn't feel feasible. And so just like that five to 10 minute window for self-care, I think a five to 10 minute experience of saying no to something small feels better. Like, no, I don't want Chinese for dinner. I mean, it could be that simple. But for a lot of these people pleasers or driven professionals who are worried they're going to miss an opportunity, they almost need that lived experience to say, oh, look, the gate didn't slam shut. The door didn't lock. The, bur the bridge hasn't burned down. Like, it's just a matter of timing. Not a permanent no, but not right now kind of no. Yes. 
And I also like to remind people that by saying no to the one thing, you may be able to say yes to the th- other thing that you really do want to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Good so point. it's, it, I think it can help to reframe it that way as well. Um, it frees you up because if you just keep saying yes to everything, like I tend to do, um, you know, really cool opportunities come along and then I'm in overwhelm. Yes. You know, and, uh, so it feels nice not to, but I will tell you, I'm a huge work in progress. I mean, somebody came, somebody recently approached me and she was with her husband and she was like, she had this whole spiel and a pitch and, and she just gave me like two, it was something to do with, you know, kids and helping out with like bringing mental health. And I was like, yes, she didn't even, she was like, no, 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 you can't, you can't say yes yet. I have <laughs> not a done. whole pitch. And I was like, but you don't need it because I love that cause. So I'm just going to do it. And she looked at her husband. He's like, she's been practicing this for a while. And I was like, there was no need. And so it was a funny moment, but that's the way I am. If I'm really like into something, I'm just like, I want to be that. That was fun for me. And she was like, what just happened? And I'm like, you just said something that I'm really passionate about. So yes, I'll do it. So, and and we're so primed for people to say no, aren't we? Like, it's so funny that we're having this conversation. And I know there are books out there that are like, just say yes to everything. See what happens. And now I'm challenging that. Yeah. And I loved that book. I absolutely loved that book. And now in this time of burnout and overextension and overwhelm, it's now what's the power of no? (laughs) Yes. The year of no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's funny. Okay. So you have pointers in your book on how people can get out of this trap. You shared some of them, but can you just maybe leave us today with a couple of the most important, maybe, you know, pointers that you have this, these perfectioner pointers. I like that. Um, what are some that you think would be helpful to share? Yeah, I feel like the ones that our readers are saying they're most helpful is the first one is movement, which really is pretty basic and simple. But when we bring it back to the forefront of our mind has big changes that happen with it. So for me, I get my best ideas when I'm either, you know, I guess apparently four o'clock in the morning, but also when I'm moving. So walking, pacing, being outside, you know, here in Colorado, we have that luxury of beautiful spaces. But for some of these folks, it's like, take five minutes between your meetings and stretch. You know, we're sitting here on telehealth. What's that like to move around, to stretch your body? doesn't have to be elaborate and definitely not more than five minutes, because if I ask for more, I usually get pushed back. So starting with some movement might be a, a strategy. The other one that comes to mind that people really like that I think you've touched on in your own way is kind of going lean on our lists is what I call it. There's a chapter called Go Lean on Lists. And it talks about as driven people, we have all these ideas. We have all this creative energy. We want to do so many things. But what if we were challenged to list all the things we want to do in the next six months and only focus on the top 10 priorities, which I get pushed back there. Kara, I can do a lot more than 10 things in six months. Yes, but should you? Should you do more than 10 things? So when my driven professionals try this out, the ones that are willing actually see more productivity, more creativity, and less busyness and burnout because they're basically giving permission to themselves to say no to other stuff. If it's not in alignment with those 10 things, it's got to wait. I love that. Go lean on your list. I really, really like that. Also, during the pandemic, I heard a different speaker say, you know, like eliminate sticky notes by just scheduling in the things that you have to do. And I was like, I really like that. I've been implementing it for the most part. And I have really enjoyed it, even if it's grocery shopping. Like, all right, well, (laughs) instead of writing a list that says I need to go grocery shopping this week, where am I going to find time in my schedule? And I'm going to just schedule it in. And that helps with over scheduling because then you go, there's only so many hours in the day. I actually cannot do X, Y or Z because there's no more room. There's no more time. Kara, your book, Perfectioner, 
from workaholic to well-balanced is such an easy read, incredibly practical, really, truly helpful. Um, I think it's a great guide. Where else can people find you and follow you? Oh, gosh. Uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. We've got some support systems or groups in Facebook for perfectioners. Um, I also have a support group for my latest book on Hashimoto's and helpers. So got all sorts of stuff going on. Like you, I love projects. I'm happiest when creating. So I think we're both works in progress of making sure we're balanced. <laughs> Absolutely. And what are your, um, what's your handle on social media? Uh, at Kara Crossway for Instagram, Perfectioner. If you type in that unique word, it'll pop up everything, the book, the groups, the, the Facebook page, the website. So luckily my first name is spelled uniquely and Perfectioner is spelled uniquely. So hopefully they can find me that way. That's right. Well, thank you so much for coming on, for sharing your wisdom. Um, if those of you listening enjoyed this episode, please like, rate, and subscribe to Dr. Cheryl's PodCouch. It was a pleasure having you, Kara, and I wish you all the best with all the great things you have going on. Thank you so much, Cheryl. Thank you.